Good evening. We're going to be in uh, Exodus 14 tonight. We're going to finally do away with the Egyptians, so to speak, and the hindrance and the punishment that they've laid upon the Israelites for 400 plus years. Well, let's pray first. Father, we just thank you for tonight. And um, yeah, I just echo Katie's prayer, Lord, that uh, none of us would leave here without hearing from you. That you would put all distractions away, Lord. That um, that you would soften our hearts. And that, Lord, that we would, all of us, take something out of here tonight. Having heard directly from you through this vessel. We just pray for your blessing and your spirit to be present here now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so it's been 400 plus years that we've been dealing with the Israelites and the Egyptian. They've been in bondage. We've seen that. We've seen that they've gone through the 10 plagues. Uh, Each one of the plagues judging each one representing a little God, so to speak. So not only was God showing himself strong on behalf of his people Israel, he was judging each one of these plagues like the flies uh, killing the firstborn, what have you. There was, a, there was a God that they would worship in all of those things. So not only was he showing his power and his might, but he was dealing with these false gods once and for all. And then he also, uh, we, we went over the Passover, talking about the blood of the lamb and how that was a representation of what Christ did for you and I, taking the innocent lamb without blemish, had no sin, became sin for the people. And those that put the blood on the door in the shape of the cross, God passed over their sin. And then we learned that he placed ordinances in place to remember that day that God delivered his people out of Egypt. None of these people, let's face it, none of these people are going, they didn't have any um, real um, representation, so to speak, on what God had done other than their forefathers. Think about it. You and I as people are, are constantly wanting God to show us, God to show us, God to show us. 400 plus years have gone by before God shows up on the scene to do what he did. And so now we're coming into the place where he's finally going to deliver the people completely from uh, Egypt and from Pharaoh. We'll start out in chapter 14, verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before, I'm going to butcher these, Piharioth, between Migdal and the sea. Opposite Baal Zippon, you shall camp before the sea. So basically, they, they get released, and they're close to Philistine. They're real close to Philistine, but instead of going to Philistine, God says in chapter 13, he's not going to send them through that land of war in fear that the Egyptians would turn back. So he goes all the way back down, by the sea, through the wilderness. And I want you to chime in on this through the wilderness with me, because it's where God's kind of taken me. So they go all the way uh, down through the wilderness, and they come 
down in the edge of the sea, really between two mountains or two big, in the valley, so to speak. Not a very good strategically placed place to be for people to just leave in a tyrant. And so what I wanted to see, and as I look at that, I always try to look at a little application when I'm doing this. I said, what's that say to me? And the only thing it said to me was this. When God changes directions in our lives, it doesn't always make sense. For me, I would have done it this way or gone this way or done this and that. Anybody would look at this strategically. This was not a very good move. But make no mistake about it. God is in full control And they're exactly where they're supposed to be. I don't know how many times in my Christian walk and those that are close to me can testify going, this is not of the Lord. This can't be of the Lord because this isn't easy. This is too hard. But yet God has always been with me and placed me exactly where I need to be. Amen? So all of us can testify to that. That we're headed in one direction. God goes, no, I want you to go back in this direction. And he changes directions. We can all testify to that, that it's not always easy. But we need to have that faith and to trust the Lord no matter where he has us, where he's placed us, or what's going on. He'll move us, he'll change us if we really believe that the Lord said he'd never leave us nor forsake us and that he has plans for our life, then we can trust him to be where he wants us to be. In verse 2, it, uh, it says, excuse me, in verse 3 it says, For Pharaoh will say to the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. So Pharaoh's looking at these guys heading this way and heading down this way. And he sees where they're stopped. And he's going, dude, they are, they're definitely confused because that's not a good place to stop. Right? And so what I want us to see here tonight is that the wilderness that, that we have walked through. Anybody here who's been Christian long enough has, exp- has experienced dry times, has experienced suffering, has experienced pain, has experienced confusion. That's what the, the word bewildered means, confused. Lord, what are you doing? What is going on? And we can testify that that happens in our lives. Sometimes God does things in our lives that don't make sense and changes direction. Oftentimes, he finds ourselves in journeys of bewilderment or of confusion. But it's in those times where he, as we're going to read on verse 4, glorifies himself. So the more that you and I travel through life and we're going through these deserts, let's say it's something uh, health-wise or a loss of a loved one, something real serious You've been brought out of the bondage. You've been brought out of the world. And your family that's been in the world, so to speak. All of a sudden, you become changed and you're Christian. And they find you in this tough spot. Normally, you would run to the bottle or something like that in the world. But now you're a Christian. You're following God. And you're in these wilderness times. What the Lord wants to do 
in you and through you. He wants to glorify himself, as we're going to read here. In verse 4, it says, Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor through over Pharaoh and over his army, and the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So here's what I want us to see, two things. When we're going through those wilderness times, we've come out of the world. And Egypt, by the way, most of you know, is a, another uh, type of the world, right? We don't want to go back to Egypt, the world. So you and I have been set free out of bondage, set free from the change of Satan. And now we're walking with the Lord and we're following him wherever he has us to go, right? But two reasons, two main reasons why he does that. He wants to glorify himself in our lives. It's when we walk into the desert, we don't know, but we're continuing on with him. And what doesn't make sense, why am I headed this way? Why am I here doing this? What? Why, Lord? Why did you take my dad? Why, did you, why am I terminally ill? Why? Whatever it is, each one of us in, as I, I get to look at eyeballs here, each one of us, every one of us has, has that path of troubles, struggles, pains, sorrows, joys, all of it. But we've needed God to personally weed us or, or guide us through. I can come give you the answer and walk away and say, I really got used by you on that one, Lord. But only God will be able to get you through, will be able to do what he wants to do in you and through you in that situation, right? And so in that, he glorifies himself, yeah? And not only that, he wants to glorify himself with his power and might for the whole world to see. Now, the whole world might not be seeing your whole situation, but trust me, when you're rubbing elbows with your family, People at work, what have you. There's non-believers. Okay, I've worked in the secular world. Even though you don't think people are looking, they're looking. They may know that you're going through those struggles in life. How am I handling myself? My family's here, and, and they see how I handle things like, I'm like the, the Israelites. I usually freak out first. And then I... Oh, okay, okay. And then God calms me down. But people are watching. So as we walk with God, let him work in our lives and, and help us through these times. It's not phony. Some of it takes time. Some of the things that we go through will take years or what have you to, to get rid of all the stuff that we were in the world. Or the pain and the sorrows or the loss or whatever you're going through here tonight. God is aware of it. Totally aware of it. If you're seeking him and you're following after him, you're spending time with him and you want what he wants for you. You're right where he wants you to be. He's got your back and he'll make sure that he sees you through. So if I'm walking and people are watching, and God gets me through to this other side of this season, or this struggle, or this wilderness, so to speak, then God becomes glorified, because then somebody's going, and you might have this happen. I've had this happen. What? 
How'd you do that? How'd you have the strength to withstand that? How were you able to make through it those hard times? And then you can give God the glory and the honor that he deserves, right? And so another thing that it says here is that he wanted so that the Egyptians would know that he's the Lord. And what that says to me and the way I read it is, again, don't look at God going like this, or the Ten Commandments with uh, Yul Brenner and that he's just sending in the plagues and, and, and just being mean. Really, the way I see it, it was plague after plague after plague of reaching these people and showing them that he's the God above all gods. They could have turned after the first plague, right? But they didn't. And so what happens is, is that God here says that he wants to, he wants to glorify himself of what he's going to do, what he's gonna, we're going to read about. But he also wants to reach the Egyptian people. What's that mean for you and I? Well, the world. My non-believing family, when my dad was alive, praise the God, he got right with the Lord. But I remember anything that the Lord would do or it was good. He would, I'd praise the Lord and give glory to the Lord. My dad go, well, yeah, but you made the decision to do that. And he, he would never accept that it was the Lord. But he finally did four days before he died. Four days before he died, God was reaching out to him. And so for you and I, as we walk in this world, Egypt, so to speak, and we walk through life, we don't have to be phony. I always say that, but don't be real with people. Be real. If you're having a hard time, you're having a hard time, right? But God will deliver you from that. And so he wants to reach the lost. Amen? Amen. So through our lives, whatever we're doing, wherever we're walking in the wilderness times, it's through those times of him getting us through. We're on our knees. We're praising the Lord. Next thing you, we make it through the other side. People are watching. They see the power of God working in your life. And the next thing you know, we've become changed and we're ministering to somebody else that needs it. Simply by doing that. And so when I look at the wilderness times, man, sometimes they're very dry. And it's not fun. But here's what I will say, and I know a lot of you have been walking with the Lord a lot longer than I have. He's never left me, never abandoned me. He will always see you through as long as you glorify him and continue to walk forward. And another thing that he does it is really for deliverance and salvation. He came to seek and to save the lost. So when he does those works... And then the next thing you know, with a co-worker, he's able to open up a conversation of why and how you believe in God. Really. Souls. Reaching, rubbing elbows with the... And we all, most of us here, work with the ministry. So I get to work with a bunch of Christians. So it's a different kind um, 
of ministry. It's more of spurring one another on and, and continuing in the faith and correction and all of that good stuff. So he says he wants to glorify himself uh, over, uh, over Pharaoh. He wants to show the Egyptians who he is. And again, we've, we've touched on that. Verse 5. Now it was told the king of Egypt that people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh, his servants, was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So I got on my notes, I go, how soon they forget. How soon they forget. And I, you know what? I, I can never point my finger and go, how soon they forget. I mean, we're talking 400 years that they were crying out to the Lord, crying out to the Lord. I know my faith, as weak as it is, I constantly need him to show up and show me something rather than walking by faith. Does that make sense? So they, all this stuff just happened. Man, plague after plague after plague, God just dominating the scene. I'm God. Taking the firstborn, Pharaoh's firstborn, taking his boy. How could this be? Well, we know that, that God fixed his heart fixed his heart where it already was. It was hard as a rock. Anybody ever been there? (laughs) Thank you, Lori. (laughs) Me too. And you know what happens? Just like what Pharaoh does, you become bitter, you become so hard that you become an enemy of God. You really do. It's, it's, it's got to be one of the worst places to be. I'm going to share one little thing about me. I was wounded. I felt wounded. It took me three years of cancerous behavior. Oh, God was using me to lead people to the Lord in jail, and I was sharing the gospel. That never changes. But when this subject came up, I can see that you guys know the feeling. But the truth of the matter, God bless his heart, Rudy, who's now home with the Lord, who was actually the man that God used to lead my dad to the Lord before he died. They're both... They're both great men in my life. And so they're rejoicing in heaven together. But he, he heard me over three years, and he's a gentle giant. I would have blown somebody out of the water much sooner. <laughs> but Rudy put up with it for three years. And he finally gently said, Kev, you're in sin. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> Needless to say, I got off the phone. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Stiff-necked, hard. And by the time I sat down, 
I wrote a little note with tears to the person that I had a hard time with. I was broken. From that point on, there was forgiveness in my heart. But I know it's not hard for me to see. Dude took my son. What kind of God is this? And here comes God because he knows the future. He knows the heart of these people. He fixed them right where he he decided to stay. And so what happens is that we see is that he's coming after them. But we do the same thing. We forget. Oh, my goodness. I get to... Pam and Pastor Mike, as much as they get, get in the sea, when I get to hang or spend a little bit of time with Pastor Mike and you get to hear, he still needs to see. You guys, Krista, you guys get to see all the stuff behind the scenes all the time, but you still need to see. We still need to see. We just, wait, it just happened a month ago. The stuff that God is doing, but we constantly need to be shown. We're sheep. We are. We're really, we're really stupid. <laughs> we are. We constantly need to be shown and led. But how, what a, what a loving father that would put up with a people like that. And delights to show himself strong on our behalf. Who delights to show himself strong to his people. We're watching it. We're reading it. He delights to be your battle, your your king. The one that's going to do battle for you. So we see that they're going to come after him. Verse 6. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with them. Verse, I'm going to read verse 7, 8, and 9. Also he took 600 chariots, choice chariots, and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his armies, and overtook them, camping by the sea besides P, you know what, and Baal-Zephon. And so, okay, Lord, what is that? We got more. He's coming out. He's, He's coming out after them with full force. And so I go, Lord, what do you got here? For me, And so this is what he showed me on this. When we come out of Egypt, some of us were walking in really, really, really dark places. Some of us. And when we came out of Egypt, what happened? <gasps> The angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner repent. Is that for me, Lord? And Miss Pam told me later on that that the angels in heaven, I didn't know the Bible, the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner repent. But what I see here is the enemy 
Pharaoh's a type of, I would say, Satan. Wouldn't he be? Coming after the chosen people of God? What happens to you and I when we leave that kingdom? Oh, we're protected. We're going to heaven. Nobody can harm us. But now we got an enemy that wants to take us out of the game, ruin our lives, and dishonor God. And that won't stop till you and I get home. It will never stop until you and I get to heaven. And so what I see is that now the same as Pharaoh is chasing after them, I'm going to let them have it. God, or not God, Satan sends his little chariots and his armies out. And you see it constantly going on in a ministry this size. Right? All the stuff that has gone on here is like, dude, I don't know how you guys handle it. It's been one thing after another. One thing after another. That's in the ministry. What about our own personal lives? Our marriages? (laughs) Right? Our kids? Right? Just the challenges in life. Our workplace people. How many people have worked with me at Mudman? I go like this. Hey, I want to apologize to you. (laughs) At least I apologize. (laughs) I think I've developed a relationship with the kid because they've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, and we're still going forward together, right? But it's the truth. The enemy is coming after us, and he wants to he wants to destroy us. And so here they are. He's got his whole army. He's chasing after. They're coming down on this little beach area or what have you. This is my mind's eye. And there's no place for them to go. They got the sea behind them, right? What would you guys be doing? Well, this will read what these guys are doing. Verse 10, And Pharaoh drew near the children of Israel, lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Let's just picture this. We'd be freaking out. I told you early on the way I react when God, wait, 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 hold on. I don't do it that way. But my attitude might be that at home or Renee's going, trust the Lord. You don't understand. You don't understand. She's going, just trust the Lord. Very peaceful. And I usually freak out until God gets a hold of my heart and I cry out to the Lord. And it's like, okay, 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 for 15 minutes. And then, but no, in all honesty, think about just putting your mind's eye being stuck there, right? And here comes the enemy in full force and there's no place to go. You and I, we react in fear. We can. Oftentimes we'll react in fear and we become crippled by fear. Fear of what's going on rather than going, you know what? The Lord's allowed this. I often talk to people. I said, don't give the enemy credit. 
the devil did this and the devil did that. And I'm going, you know what? My God's bigger and he allowed it. He wants to do something in this, in me and through me or in this situation. I'm not going to give him credit. But the bottom line is that they're fearful. And what can we do when we're afraid? And we, Does anybody get afraid in life besides me? I might hide it well. People go like this say, you're nervous? And I go, I'm freaking out. I'm always freaking out. But I'm saying, there's fear in things we do. Men might be able to hide it better. But trust me, I've gone through enough fearful stuff since I've been here. There's fear in life, but the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. And that's hanging out with Jesus. And what we do when we cry out like the Israelites to Jesus, then he brings that supernatural peace. He doesn't go, and the problem's gone. He could, but he gives us the grace and the strength that we need to get through that, and the peace. You listen to Pastor Mike, and I, I've talked to him many times. He goes, dude, I'm free. I'm free. I can lay my head down at night and go to bed because I'm free. He not With all the stuff that he deals with on a daily basis, not hanging down his head, freaking out. I'm not there. I want to be. But that's time spent with the Lord and going through the battle, right? But here's another. Here's the here's the the flip side of this. This is I, it's comical, but this is humanity one hundred and one. It really is. We look at this and go, "Oh, look at the Israelites." Verse twelve. No, excuse me. Verse eleven it says, "Then they said to Moses, because." There were no graves in Egypt. Have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us to bring us out of out of, of Egypt? Is this not the uh, the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, "Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians"? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we would, should die in the wilderness. It's so typical when problems arise. Isn't it? Anybody's been any kind of leadership in your life, I don't care if it's in the secular world or whatever, when you put that title on or whatever, you got a bullseye on your back. And I mean it even in ministry. Renee and I became leaders in a, at a uh, children's ranch, and it was a communal living, and as soon as they raised us up to be overseers of the whole place, right, honey? It was like, a bulletproof, or what do you call it, a, a bullseye on our back. The, the attacks and the stuff that came, people start blaming you for everything that's not happening. Or Do you understand what I mean? Well, I hope I'm painting a picture here. First, they're crying out to God, and the next minute, they're blaming Moses. We told you we wanted to stay in bondage. I mean, it's really, we're laughing, but that's how foolish it is. It's your fault. (laughs) It really, it's silly, but I've done it. Everything in here, I'm guilty of. I've done it. In my walk, it's silliness. It really is. (coughs) 
<clears throat> we cry out to God. If we don't agree with the situation, then we try to fix it ourselves. God's not moving fast enough. It's this guy's fault. If we only would have done this, 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 and this, things would be flowing smoother, this and this, and we got it all down. Cry out to God, and then we blame people. Total humanity. Totally. But this is how they respond. 13, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand still. And here's what I hear. Peace be still. Be still. God has done everything that he's done in your life up to this point. Be still. Don't panic. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Because it says here, he's gonna, God is going to show his salvation this very day. Right? Remember. Stop. Don't be like Kevin where you have a whole script and a movie down the road. And it has nothing even, not even going to go that way. But I've already played it out and I, I've mapped it out. I, the script is written and this is the way it's going to turn out. Be still. I need to hear that. Be still and know that I am the Lord. God is with us. He's for us. Even in the hard times, even when we visually see him, the giants come and this doesn't make any sense. Be still. Who can contend against you? No one. If I'm for you, who can be against you? No one. Amen? So he says, stand still, be still, be quiet. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. And then he makes it with a promise. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see again no more forever. These guys that have been tormenting you for 400 plus years, your family, your grandparents, all the way down the family tree, it's done today. I'm going to deal with them. God does that with our enemies. He does. He does like he did with the Egyptians. He tries to reach out to them and reach out to them and reach out to them because of his love and his mercy. But then there comes a point, enough. I'm taking them out of the game. These guys are finished. They're no longer going to harm you. He'll do that for us. And then it says in verse 14, the Lord will fight for you and shall hold your peace. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. The Lord will fight for you. I need to hear that. The Lord will fight for you. Oftentimes, this vessel here cries out to God and then tries to fix everything myself. I'm going to help God out over here because he ain't moving quick enough. Or I don't like the way he's doing it. Cry out to God, but I got it from here because I don't like you. You want me to go over here and I don't want to go over here. You guys know what I'm saying. But the battle belongs to the Lord. 
That's how he's glorified in your life, my life, your life, and the world. We're sheep who get changed and we're walking around in Egypt, the world, and people that we rub up against. And it's not anything to do with us. It's the Holy Spirit living inside of us begins to start speaking to people through relationships. Something different. We got a new mission filled with new neighbors. I got a neighbor that comes a mud man almost every day for a sausage sandwich. They, they live, they live right across the street. Renee's had the the mom over for dinner, but they know who we're all about. I don't need to in John chapter this and that with them all the time. They know we serve in ministry. This guy's into social media. He's checked everything out. Right? So we, as we're rubbing with people, and we're walking in this life, just know the Lord is in charge of the battle of life, whatever we face. Um, Verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Uh, Wait a minute. We got water here. What do you mean go forward? But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on the dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians... Know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh's chariots and his horsemen. Look how many times we're reading that. It's a huge deal. Glorifying himself, but I I can't lay that down and showing himself to the Egyptians. Those people that are going to be, after he deals with them, the Egyptian people that are left behind in Egypt, they will know that he is the God of gods. Again, I, I, want, I can't stress that enough. Wherever you are, whatever sphere of influence you have, God wants you to reach the lost. Yeah? We want to encourage each other to move on as believers, but we also want to reach those who are walking going, <laughs> God, you, you've heard it all. Anybody that's done any kind of witnessing has, has heard all the world's foolishness. But in Romans 1, it says this. Simply by the things created, men will be without excuse. You know what that tells me? Even when they tell you they don't believe, they believe. Because the Bible goes on to say in Romans 1, even though they knew God or they know about God, they refuse to worship him as God. That'll give you great encouragement when somebody says, I'm an atheist. I don't believe you're an atheist. I believe you don't want to, for whatever reason in your life, worship God. Why do I know that? Because he created all of us. Simply by the things created, we know he exists. We're created beings, right? Uh, I'm going to trust the Lord, Pam, on this, but I'm going way off over here. (laughs) That's the Lord. Amen? Amen. 
But again, he wants to reach out. It just stands out to me that he wants to reach the world. Man, if God is coming back to judge the world, and it's like nothing we've ever seen, it's a pretty serious deal. It really is. It's a serious deal that we would want to have compassion on the lost, on Egypt, the world, and use and let God use us in the way that he wants to in that area. Verse 19, it says, The angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind him, and the pillar of cloud went before them and stood behind them. So it became it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud of darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all at night. So basically the way I see it, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, now it's shifted, it's behind them, okay, to where uh, the camp of Egypt is strictly darkness, and where he's getting ready to part the sea, it's light, right? And so another way you can look at that, it was kind of cool, is when we were part of Egypt, we'd be in the darkness, but now we're children of the light. Amen? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but me. He says, I'm the light of the world. In him there is no darkness at all. Paraphrase. So we are children of the light. Don't care how you feel. If you've blown it today, he sees you finished and complete. You're on the light side of life. And so we're to be lights in the world. So he's, he's basically giving them even more time, yeah? He's giving them dark. They can't see anything going on. And he's getting ready to open the sea and give them light to do so. That's the way I read it. I could be wrong. Um. Verse 21, it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by the strong east wind all that night, and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So we got Charlton Heston, Ha, ha, ha. Only the old people know that. <laughs> Sorry, Lori. And so we got Moses. He, he reaches out his hand with the staff and, we, and the waters. And it says all night. So it wasn't like, like we saw in the Ten Commandments. Dah, dah, dah. It took a while. Okay? But what we need to remember is, what is this a type of? Who else stretched out his hands? Jesus stretched both of his arms out and was nailed to a cross, ultimately crucified for all of our sins. Salvation for the whole world. Here we got how many thousands of years before, only one way to heaven through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is no other name under heaven which a man can be saved. There is no other way out of this pickle other than what God is going to do. There is no other road. So God is getting ready to open the ocean so that the Israelites can take this one way into salvation. There is no other way out. 
The world has all kinds of ideas on salvation. There is no other way except through the person of Christ Jesus. Amen? He who had no sin became sin for you and I so that we could be the righteousness of God, so that we can have heaven and be called co-heirs and his children here. So it's a type of, as, as Moses stretches out his hand, Jesus did the same thing. There's only one way into heaven. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There is no other way to salvation. It won't be by your good works. And this is, this is what we have confidence in when we're sharing with people in the world. Tell me about this, Jesus. Ask, ask people what they do for their sin. Christ is the only one that dealt with sin once and for all. All these other religions you're going to deal with on the planet, they're works-based. It's all based on my merit and based how I do. And, you know, I, we grew, not grew up, but we, we did a lot of ministry in the native community in Oregon. It was a native uh, community. And I, we had some of the natives going to our church. And I asked them, I go, dude, tell me, what do you guys do for your sin?" Not you guys, but what do you people do? Oh, well, we have sweats and we do this and that. And I say, yeah, but what do you do the next five minutes? When you walk out of that building, your mind's in the gutter or what have What do you do? There is no other religion on this planet that deals with sin once and for all except Jesus. And it's not based on your and our performance. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a what? Gift from God. Even the faith that you had the day that I had in the deep south of Georgia. God gave me that faith. I don't know how it works. I'll never be able to tell you how it works the sovereignty of God and the free will choice of man. Bible teaches both. I lean way heavy on God. He does everything for me. I just muck it up. But here we have Jesus paying for all, one road to salvation. You see the only way out here is one way, and it's God's way. That's foolishness, the cross, to those who are perishing. But that's the way God chose to do it. You can either believe it or not. That's where free will comes in. I don't want to. You don't have to. But as we're going to read on, one day heaven's doors will be shut and that's it. No more get to go in. Just like when the water comes on these people, it's done. It's too late. Let's read about that. So the Egyptian, verse 23, pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea. All Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning, watch, that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty, and the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Here's another one when I'm reading this at first sitting, I just start laughing. 
I start laughing because you're, you're watching people walk through the sea. This is the same God that did all the plagues and all this, killed all the firstborn. Now these people are walking through the ocean on dry ground. Come on, let's go get them. And then they realize when God gives them flat tires and you got all these soldiers goes, this never happened before. And their equipment's falling apart. Let us get out of here because obviously this God is for Israel. But as we're going to read, it's silliness when you read it. But that was the whole thing. God is in full control and he was going to do away with it. He gave them warning after warning after warning after warning. Who knows the future? Maybe they would have continued to persecute Israel. He was going to do away with it once and for all. Verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on the chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth. While the Egyptians were fleeing into it, so the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. Not one. That's heavy. It's a heavy thing to even to look at it, what I was just sharing, when God says that's enough. And shuts the doors. That's it. There'll be no more. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Just like it was in the ark. Let us in. Too late. Well, that's harsh. No, it isn't. Very, very patient God who is so patient with you and I as believers, but is so patient with the guys that are in the crowd going, crucify him. He loved on them and paid for all that sin if they would just accept it. I don't know if any, you know, my mind is weird. I start thinking, did any of the Israelites... It doesn't say they did, but any of them try to go back? I I don't know. Did they try to go save their own skin and get killed? I I don't know. I know this. When the heat comes, like one of the parables of the soil with men, Jesus used that. When the heat comes on, the the Bible says that they, they, they have no root in themselves and they spring up and, and they end up falling away. Right? When we face persecution and trials and, and, and pain and suffering for being a Christian, the Bible says this. If you desire to be a Christian, you will suffer. Uh, what is it? Somebody help me. I'm lost. <laughs> You'll be per- persecuted for righteousness sake. So if you want to walk with the Lord, expect to... Uh, be bumped on the head now and then. The world doesn't, doesn't like you. And so we see here that the, the walls, the water's caved in. It's too late. Just the same picture as Jesus has offered time and time and time again. Only he knows the day nor the hour. God the Father knows the day and time where it says that's it. It's too late. But you can you imagine 
too late. It's over. Thank God you and I are in if you're a believer here. If you're not, you can be here tonight. Jesus said, that I'm the way, the truth. There is no other way to heaven except through the finished work of cross, Christ. Jesus had no sin, became sin for you and I. So that you could be set free, not in this life alone, but you'd be made right with God, not based on your performance, but based on what he did. Man, that is good news. Good news. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right and their left. Wait a minute. Yeah. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord, his servant Moses. Isn't that typical? And I don't want to be cynical on that, but isn't that typical? Oh, Lord. Isn't it? Until the next thing. And I wrote in my notes here, until next time. And I don't point my finger at them. We're, we're like sheep. He does so many things for us over and over and over again. And we're so narrow-minded. You can only see what's in front of us. And it's a difficult thing. We forget how powerful he is. It's a wake-up call for me. Not to think back on, but to remember the things that he's brought me through. As an encouragement, man. Because life is hard. It is hard. There's no, it's hard. And I, certain people, I'm not going to point out, I, I, I don't want their lot in life. I couldn't handle it. But I, if God chose me to go through some of the lots that I've seen in this room, then he would have to empower me to do it. Amen? Same for you and I. Whatever you're going through here tonight, whether it be joys, be still and peace, where it be struggle, where it be challenging, confusion. Lord, this doesn't make sense. Directional changes. All the stuff that we've read here. If you're a Christian here today and you're seeking him, he's got your back. He knows exactly what you're going through and he's going to part the seas May not look like what we read here tonight, but he's going to make a way and deliver you and deliver us. Amen?